So we are in a year of generosity as G2. Um, for those of you who've been around for a little while, you'll remember this, that we have these years every now and again. We had the year of invitation, the year of generosity, and the year of the monkey is next year. So um, we don't know if there's going to be another year. I mean, and probably there will be, like, as in like... But, uh, but these are our building blocks, and give is the middle one. Um, and so these are the things that G2 is built on, the things that we want to be known for. We want to be characterizing who we are, describing who we are. Uh, we want to, those things, we think they're crucial to being part of G2. It's sort of a, the descriptors of what it's like to be part of us. We did that series, didn't we, on Acts just before this, on the early church, uh, on what, what they were like as a church and how we, are, we can be like that too. And then this is like on who are we going to be as G2 because we are the church, and you're the church, and I'm the church. That's, how, that's who we are, isn't it? It's not just some sort of a building or even some sort of Sunday service. It's who we are as a people and a community. And we want to be people that are known for generosity and for giving. Um, we've been doing, in, in our year of generosity, you might remember there's all sorts of amazing stories that happened earlier on. And if you're new to G2, I'd encourage you to listen to the podcast talks from earlier on in the year, because it was brilliant to see how people uh, have been generous and have really stepped out. Because being generous isn't always that obvious to us as people. It's not always that easy to do. Um, and so we did something called the 90-day challenge. I think that's what it was called. It was a 90-challenge of some kind of description. There were 90 days between whenever we set off to do this thing and Easter Sunday. And we said to people, if you're new to giving, or even if you've given before, but just Give as generously as you possibly can and just see whether God blesses you. Because in the Bible, that's one of the very few things that God says, you can test me in this. So most of the time he says, don't test me, doesn't he? But he says, test me to see if I don't bless you if you give really a lot. So we said to people, give out of what you don't even have and just see whether people, whether God doesn't bless you back. Um, So just to be clear, this isn't prosperity gospel. Nobody gets rich in this scheme, but you do get blessed. So that's what we did, and people gave way beyond what they could afford to do, and it was amazing to see those stories of how God blessed them back and how people, they didn't go without. People weren't left struggling without anything. Um, So be encouraged. This is about giving. But let me also maybe put your fears to one side and say, this talk is not going to be about saying, give loads of money to G2. That's not what this is about. Although if you did do that, that would be fine. But that's not what this is about. This is about us saying, it is good to give. It's one of the things that God consistently says throughout scripture. It is good for you to do as people. He says to his people, this is going to be good for you to give away. You'll be more part of the continual flow of the channel of blessing that I want to give out to the world if you partake in giving. If you partake in keeping everything to yourself, it doesn't work out so well for you as humans. So this is what God basically continually says. Now I could just say, so therefore give. And that's the end of the talk, which would help us get back on track. But I've got some other encouraging things to say, so I hope you'll bear with me. Um, This is my son Morgan and my son Aaron. Aren't they cute? Uh, they are eight and seven, and they don't always look that nice towards each other. Um, Morgan, uh, who's the older one, he's been saving up for a Nintendo Switch for a long time. Now, if you earn a small amount of pocket money each week, 
and earn a little bit extra if you do the job. He, he cuts our lawn. He's eight, and he cuts our lawn. That could end badly, couldn't it? Anyway, hopefully it won't. He does a really good job, and he earns a bit of extra money here and there, a couple of quid here, one quid there, a couple of quid there, and he's saved up enough to buy this Nintendo Switch. It's taken him ages, well over a year, probably about 16 months. And he, and he got really close. He got five pounds away from being able to buy this thing. Now, if you're... If you've nearly got enough for something, isn't that so frustrating? If you nearly can afford to buy something. So he was so close. Anyway, the next slide you'll see is him and his godbrother. That's him and Josiah Finn. Josiah is Dan and... We lead Burn Home with Dan and Susie Finn. Um, and that's Josiah Finn. It's their eldest. He's 11 and Morgan's 8. So he's like his godbrother. Dan and Susie are the godparents to Morgan. So he's, they're kind of godbrothers. And Josiah is just the kind of older boy that you'd hope was in your son's life, if you know what I mean. He's so good. He's so nice and so encouraging to Morgan, about three years older, and always encouraging him. Now, then he sent Morgan this letter. So if you, you see the next slide. Dear Morgan, you told me at church the other day that you were saving up for a Nintendo Switch and, you're, and you were five pounds off. I decided I would give you five pounds so that you can get your Nintendo Switch Thank you for being a great friend. Enjoy playing from Josiah. If that isn't the best letter you've ever seen, I don't know what is. Again, I could end the talk there and say, if that isn't a good enough reason to be generous to one another and to share, I don't know what is. But unlucky for you, that's not where I'm going to end the talk. Um, we were existed to share with one another. We were existed to be. Ge- we exist to be generous. We were created in a way that. We thrive if we don't keep stuff to ourselves. You see this right at the start of the Bible in Genesis 12. If you've got Bibles, feel free to get them out because they're brilliant and we'll refer to them. Um, In Genesis 12, um, this is really early on in God's story with people. He's talking to somebody called Abram, who will become Abraham, but he hasn't yet at this point. So this is Genesis 12, 2 and 3. Um, and just like the context here as well, because we, we sometimes when we read the Old Testament, we, our perspective is that we sort of know quite a lot of God's story with people. But Abraham at this point doesn't really know all of that context and story that he's living it. He's living it right there and then. He's talking to this God who has not yet revealed himself to be Yahweh. So Abraham is just discovering it. And God basically then This thing that we can see here, and I'll read out in a sec, sometimes called the Abrahamic Covenant, this is a great promise that God gives to people through the life of Abraham. So the Lord has said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and Whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Sometimes people summarize this as, you are blessed to be a blessing. So God wants to bless us, but not just so we get absolutely full of blessing and just scurry around the place discussing how blessed we are, but he blesses us so that we can bless other people. It's for a reason. He gives so we can give away. And you see that throughout the Bible, don't you? In all, so many different stories, so many different characters experience the blessing of God so they can bless 
other people. This goes into the story of Jesus, and we'll see in the next passage that we'll look at, Matthew 10, that this is Jesus' mandate he gives to his disciples, just really similarly to what he gives to Abraham, where he says, go and bless other nations. Jesus tells his disciples to go and bless the towns and cities around them. So I'm, I'm going to start reading from verse 1, but that's the kind of key, ver- key bit of verse that you need on the screen there. I'm going to start at chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. So just pause for a second to notice he's given them something because he's going to say to them, go and bless other people. But it starts, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee. By the way, by the way, some of you might have children at some point, and biblical names are in, right? So I think like Zebedee is right up there. I'm just putting it out there. Give me a microphone and I will say some odd things. Um, And his brother John, Philip, and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, boo, who betrayed him. Um, I think we should have to say boo after his name. Um, these 12 uh, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, because remember that they've just been given authority to do those things. So he gives it to them, and then he says, go and do it. You've received it for nothing, go and give it, willingly. So we're sent his, his disciples, Jesus' disciples are sent. We are a sent people. We're meant to go. How often do we sit and not go and just enjoy what we have and sometimes forget what we have? Because if we just take a moment, like we were doing earlier on in the worship, just to remember what God has already given us. If we just take a moment now even, just to remember what God has already given you how much he has already blessed you because it's out of that that we give. We are so fortunate to live where we live. We're an incredibly fortunate people, aren't we, in terms of like being whatever we are, richest 1% or whatever in the world. So we're fortunate in that regard. We're also fortunate culturally to live in a place where we can speak freely and gather in groups like this if we want to. But we're also blessed by God in so many different ways. And we're pretty good at forgetting that. We're good at asking him for stuff. And when we pray, I don't know if this is true for me, I don't know about you. When we pray, our prayers are so often asking God for things we would like, as opposed to spending time thanking him for what we already have. 
but it's out of what we've already have and out of what, it, out of what we've already been given that we are able to give. And Jesus says a lot about how it's not great to hold on to stuff, doesn't he? He's like, you've been given tons. Don't store it all up in barns. Don't, we don't have many barns now, do we? But basically, we don't store it all up like for another day. Use it now. You've been given what you've been given to, to use now. But so often we store it up because we go, yeah, but I'm very lucky to be able to save and to be able to withdraw different things, you know. So I'll just do that because you never know what might happen next year. Um, I'm not saying that no one should have any savings or pensions or whatever, but what I am saying is there's a challenge there for how generous we are and how freely we are able to give, knowing that when we do give, God will unlock the blessing of heaven on us. When we are generous, that's what he wants to do. But how often do we withdraw and say, well, yeah, but I can kind of sort myself out because if I hold all this stuff back, that'll save God having to bless me again. (laughs) He also tells that story, doesn't he, Jesus, of the talents, saying it's basically not a great idea to bury your stuff in the ground. If you've been given something, use it, multiply it, generate something else with it, invest it. And whether that's finance or whether that's actual gifts that you've been given, so often we don't release what we've been given, we hold on to it instead. And Jesus says, not a great idea. When, when the Lord comes back, he's not going to go, oh, well done. You buried your stuff that I gave you. Um, let me just tell you a different story entirely. These were some people um, who probably about 13 years ago uh, were gathering together. They're, they're students, uh, and one of them is a newly qualified teacher. They were meeting together in a small group and praying, uh, and they were absolutely Christians, and they had decided that they really believed what it said in the Bible, but they were probably a bit stale and tired, and they were praying that God would ignite their faith. They wanted to, God to make it real. They were, they were like, we think this stuff's real, God, but we don't see it. It doesn't come alive very often. We're just trying to be good Christians or something. And they just wanted to be a bit more uh, on the edge of their faith, maybe, and like really living it. One of them, who's actually not in that photo, he was praying that God would give him a heart for generosity, that God would ignite his generous spirit. And it, it, what he meant really is he, f- he found it difficult to give away <laughs> what he had. And so he actually worked out all that he had all that he needed to spend and to pay his bills and whatever, and even in order to buy an iPod Nano, which probably dates the story for you. Um, So he'd worked out, he wanted that, and if if he did all of those things, he worked out, he'd got 90 quid, and he was like, God, I'm going to, I really want to give this somewhere. Can you, like, help me know how to give this? So that was going on. Around about a similar time, I read a book by a guy called Shane Claiborne called Irresistible Revolution. If you've not read that book, please read it. It's absolutely brilliant. Anyway, in this book, he talks about how they read this passage in Matthew 10 where Jesus sends his disciples out to the towns and villages. And he thought, and they thought, I want to do that too. Shane Claiborne and his community thought, let's do it. Let's send these people out uh, and see what happens. So I'm reading this book and I thought, I want to do that too. I want to, be, I want to experience the realness of being a Christian. I, I, you know how you can read the Bible and you think, fine, it's true, but is it really true? That is often something I want to test in my life. Does this still work? Can we still do this today? 
So I thought, I'm going to do it. I asked God for a dream. And I said, show me where I should go in my dream. Um, and by the way, I do that uh, a bit more recently. And I've been having more dreams, uh, sort of prophetic dreams. And I would encourage you, if you would like a prophetic dream, to ask for them. Because what I've experienced is when you ask God for dreams, he tends to give you them more than if you don't ask for them. Um, ask and you'll receive, he says. So anyway, I woke up and I'd dreamt about this place. This is, but that's basically the picture that I'd seen, which is in Bath. And I'd just dreamt about Bath. And I woke up having not been there. And I was like, I know this place. I know that it's Bath. I need to go to Bath. So I phoned up the guy who I was discipling at the time, um, a mentoring kind of thing. And I was like, we need to go to Bath. And he was like, okay, I'll book some days off work. It was, a, it was just in straight away. So we bought uh, two single tickets to Bath. And we were like, let's just do what it says in Matthew 10 and let's test if it's real or not. So we did and we got on the train and we went down. It was actually crazy. Hannah prayed for us on the station at York and she said, amen. And no jokes, there was a huge explosion on the electric wires. It was like... I don't know if that was God or if it was just potentially the end of a pigeon. But anyway, it, she was like, amen. And it went, and we're like, whoa, this feels electric in more ways than one. So we got on the train and we went to Bath and we got off. And I'd love to tell you all the stories that happened there. I can't, but they were amazing. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any stuff. We just had a New Testament. And we were saying, we're here to bless this city because that's what Jesus said his disciples should do. So we're just seeing if it still works. People fed us, people gave us what we needed, people put us up. And we met that small group of people that I just showed you um, back then. And we met them and they were so encouraged that two people, two idiots from York, who wanted to see if God was still real and we could still do this stuff, would actually take a risk on it like that. So they were really encouraged. We went to their small group and we prayed for them. You could see how their faith was ignited by the fact that we were there. But what also happened is the guy who had been praying for generosity, he said, how are you getting home? We're like, we don't know. We felt God should just, God said, just get single tickets. So we don't know how we're getting home. He's like, amazing. How much does it cost to get home? And we were like, 91 pounds 50. He's like, that's unbelievable. I've worked out that I've got 90 quid to give away. I've just been praying that God would show me where to give 90 quid to. Here you go. And he had it in his wallet ready to give away to whatever. He'd been praying it that day. So he got it out of the bank already. So he gave us 90 quid. And we were like, that's a phenomenal answer to prayer. But I didn't really feel able to go, uh, it's actually 91.50 to get home. <laughs> Don't have the extra 150, do you? So we just thought, well, that's the, let's just see how the story unfolds. So we thought we'd been given 90 quid. So we spent two days in Bath blessing people, praying for people, encouraging the local church. And then we got on the train to go home. But we, when we booked our train ticket in Bath Station, we said... We've only got 90 quid. We want to get to York. They're like, that's 191.50. And we're like, I know. But how far can we get? And they said, you can get to Sheffield. So we will, we'll do that then. So we'll have tickets to Sheffield. And then we'll on the, we got on the train and said to the conductor, so we've got tickets to Sheffield, so that we're legitimate, but we're actually doing this Matthew 10 thing because you can still do what Jesus says. And he, Jesus sends people to just go and bless people. So that's what we're doing. And the conductor's like, Right. And we're like, so we're going to Sheffield, but we actually want to go to York. But we can only afford to get to Sheffield. The conductor was like, oh, that's okay. At Virgin Trains, all we want really is for people to be honest. So you can just stay on the train to, and go all the way to York. And, and we were like, right, I'm not sure that's like Branson's policy, actually. But 
in terms of like people going, you know, I don't have any money, I want to go wherever. Um, but in this instance, we're very grateful that you think it is, is policy. So we stayed on the train and we got off in York. And what was incredible is we left with nothing. We went and blessed loads of people. We returned with stories of ancestor prayer, of encouragements, of increased faith, and 20 quid in our pockets, which we then gave to somebody who was in our small group, and she just had her bike nicked, and so the guy that we, I did this with, he was just like, let's give her the 20 quid, because how exciting is that? Because God's story keeps on going, keeps on multiplying. Interestingly enough, if you see, click to the next slide, you'll see what they, who they are now. I'm still in touch with all of these people 13, 14 years on. That's Tom on the left. He's training for ordination in Swindon. Um, and that's Andy next to him. He's a youth worker in Chichester. That's Dan and his wife, uh, Charlotte, and his little one. And they're in Leeds. He works for the NHS. And that's Kobe on the end who is praying for generosity. Um, so it's so good how God loves to keep his blessing going through other people. The, the gift keeps giving for me as I still know these people. Um, but also you've got to know, if, you're going to, if we're saying you are blessed to be a blessing, freely you've received, freely give. If we're saying that, you have to know what you've got to give. And we're not always great at knowing that, are we? So um, here, if you have a look here, there's a, a list of things that are in the Bible that are gifts. Some of them are spiritual gifts, some of them are practical gifts, and some of them are just things that you may have. You may have possessions, you might have a house, you might have a load of other stuff that you can share with people, time or something. But I wonder if you know what you have. You probably haven't been given all of the spiritual gifts. Maybe there are some spiritual gifts you would like to receive. But if you're going to give something away, you need to know what you do have. So just as you're looking at that list, I wonder if you are able to kind of put your mind to one that you think, yeah, that's kind of the thing I really want to give away that I, I know I have. And I guess there's other things in there like grace and God's love. We've been given so much. But you know what? We're not always great at admitting what we've been given because we're a bit British about it sometimes and we're a bit sort of apologetic oh no no I'm not very prophetic no 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 I'm not really a very good leader no 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 I couldn't do that I'm, I'm not no and, and I don't think that's a very honoring way to speak of the gifts we've been given by God um, I gave Hannah my, my wife I gave her a necklace once um, I mean, it's not the only time I've given her anything, but I gave her a really, ni a really nice necklace one anniversary. And if she wore that out with her friends and they said, oh, that's a really nice necklace, I like that. And she went, no, it's rubbish. No, no, it's, well, Luke picked it up, so it probably didn't cost anything. I don't know, it's just a bit of, bit of tat, really. And I heard about how she was speaking about that necklace. I wouldn't be over the moon. And I think it's the same with God. The things he's given us and blessed us, he's given them to us so we can bless other people, so we can use those gifts. But so often, we're a bit embarrassed about what he's given us, and we kind of talk about it like it's a bit of tat that he's given us. And I think when that happens, the church gets frozen, and we can't do our job, even to with, with each other, let alone 
wider in culture. If we can't bless others with our blessing, we sort of become a plug rather than being part of the channel that God blesses the world through. So it's pretty important that we get used to being a blessing. Um, let me tell you another story. Nine years ago, God gave me another picture. Uh, and this one, I was praying and just saw myself in a cage with another person outside York Minster. Then I spent like ages trying to work out why I was in this cage. And I was thinking, is this some sort of symbolic thing? Why, is, why am I in a cage? And eventually I felt like God give me one of those, you know, like sort of bit of a frying pan around the head moment. Um, I felt like he was like, you just need to get in the cage. It's not symbolic of everything. I want you to get in a cage outside York Minster. So we started to pray why, and we found out why. So we did this thing called the Cage of Freedom. Uh, me and a guy called Gav, another fellow this time that I was uh, also mentoring. Um, I'm a bit of a dangerous person to ask to mentor you. You end up doing these things. So uh, we locked ourselves in a, week, in a cage for a week outside St. Michael of Belfry, outside York Minster. And our message was one of freedom. So people would come. We didn't leave it for the entire week. Uh, by the way, I just need to say at this point, because I realize that there's probably half the room just listening to the story and half the room going, yeah, but how did you go to the toilet if you didn't live? So I just need to deal with this now because otherwise people can't hear the rest of the story. So we had a little portaloo and we went to the toilet in there and somebody who had been given the gift of service uh, that was on the previous list uh, emptied our toilet every day. Um, Isn't that amazing? So uh, we just took water in with us. We didn't take any food in with us. And we chatted to people about Jesus every day. And people would come and say, what are you doing? Why are you in a cage? And we would say, we're, t- we're speaking about freedom. They would say, why are you talking about freedom if you're in a cage? And we would say, because even though we're actually in this cage, we're free. Because we know Jesus. Because that's what he does. So it doesn't matter if you, are, if you feel trapped, if you feel boxed in, if you feel like life's you know, closing in on you. Jesus is the place to go. He brings freedom. So that was our message, like, over and over and over. And uh, it was incredible. So we think we spoke to about 3,000 people that week about Jesus. And we prayed with tons of people. We led people to Jesus uh, through the bars. And all sorts of great stories happened, which I genuinely would love to tell you, but I can't. Because the thing that I really want you to know from this uh, week, in terms of giving, is people gave us food. But we were not burning many calories, because we were just standing or sitting in this cage so we might have the odd sandwich but honestly you don't really want to eat a lot if you're just on the go if you're just sitting still and people started to give us more and more and more and we're like we don't really need any food but people go okay well just leave it you know I'll just leave it there if you want it for later and so it started to pile up and loads of tourists just went to Betty's and like bought us loads of those what those big fat rascal things, you know. But honestly, you don't want to eat one of those if you're just doing nothing. You need to be burning some calories if you're going to eat one of them. And then people would turn up with pizzas from Pizza Express and all sorts of them. We're like, this is ridiculous. We can't eat any of this stuff. So um, we ended up saying when people would come along, oh, it's great. We're happy to chat to you about freedom, but please eat some of this stuff. Otherwise, you know, so people would eat away and a whole load of Things started to happen, people gathering and eating food and things. Lots of homeless people came and ate food. Lots of people who spend a lot of their time outside, even if they're not homeless, um, in your kind of wandering the streets, they came and ate lots of the food. Um, 
And at the end of the week, one of our reflections, apart from, uh, oh my goodness, aren't we tired? One of our reflections was, this week we went into that cage with nothing and we have given away more than we've ever given. A bit like when we went to Bath, we left with nothing and we came back with 20 quid in our pockets. This time we, came, we had stood in this cage with no food to give and gave away more food than I've ever given away in my life. We fed loads of people. Somehow we learned the lesson, you don't need stuff to give. You need a generous heart and a willingness to give away what God has given you. You will give away more in your life, more than you can ever dream of, if you are happy to take that attitude. Time and time again in the Bible, you see it. You don't need riches. You don't need wealth to give. You need a generous heart. Jesus says, see that rich guy over there who's given out of his wealth. He hasn't given as much as the lady over there who's given out of her poverty. She's given a penny. She's given more because she's given out of what she doesn't have. So he's like, you don't need stuff to give. Everyone always thinks you need to be rich, and you don't. So this is what we want to do as G2, isn't it? We want to be generous, but also because it's more of a blessing to give than it is to receive. God first loved us, so we love others. God first blessed us, so we bless others. We have received from God first, so we want to give out of that place. We've done this as G2 a number of times. We've done it with the shoebox appeal a few times. We've done it uh, on Beesham Sunday where we give, and it's why we exist. Like any good church, we exist for our non-members. We, we exist to bless those who are not yet part of God's family or not knowingly. We want to bless others. It's why we exist. 